That's Matt Hofit along with Richard Craig. We are both together live in the Vivid Seats studio. First time in, I don't know how long, but it's first time in a while. Um, Oklahoma, South Dakota coming up this weekend. Big 12 action, big game with uh, Texas and LSU. Big 12, the only, only conference, only Power 5 conference to go undefeated the first weekend of the college football season. Uh, we, we went in detail Sunday night about Oklahoma's win over Houston. We'll maybe talk, share a few more thoughts on, on that uh, and before we start breaking down the Sooners and the – it's the Coyotes, by the way. It's, um, I've, like. heard, I've heard some people say Coyote, but it's actually pronounced Coyotes. So something that you need to know about Oklahoma's uh, week to opponent. If you say Coyotes, you're saying it wrong. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll break that down. Um, what, what thought, what was most impressed, impressive to you, good or bad, not concerning Oklahoma in week one of the big 12? Not concerning yeah, Oklahoma? Yeah, take, take Oklahoma out. We've talked about Oklahoma and Houston. What else in week one? What, what stands out to you, good or you bad? You mean, you're talking about across the nation. We're looking at different teams. Then the big 12. Oh, in the Big Twelve. Yeah, that's why I said Big Twelve. Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I guess I missed. You know, the ten teams that the, play in the Big Twelve. Because the biggest concern is obviously the Iowa State Cyclones. Right, um, right. You've got to look at a team that has a lot of expectations coming into the season. They've got a second-year starter at quarterback. A lot of people thought they would be competitive, especially when they're labeled as the best defense in the in the conference. Mm -hmm. Needless to say, you look at an opponent who's on a much lesser scale in terms of athletes, um, you look at what they're bringing in terms of coaching as well. And Iowa State should have handily won that game. However, it took them three overtimes, not something that I expected, especially for a team I myself labeled as the third best team in the conference. No, I had them as the third best team in the conference as well. I dropped them this week. Uh, in my Big 12 power rankings, but you're right. And, and people talk about, um, you know, they, they talk about David Montgomery and what a, what how how key he was to that offense last season. Right. But I think what we may have overlooked, Northern Iowa did not overlook this, but what we may have overlooked was the impact that Hakeem Butler had on that offense because Northern Iowa was just like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna make him beat us through the air. And Iowa State went through the first two quarters. Um, only kicking a field goal. And so um, so I, I agree. I, I think Iowa State will get better as the season progresses, but they're not – I'm nervous. I, I, I had them. You had Oklahoma-Texas Big 12 championship game. I had Oklahoma-Iowa State. Super nervous about that right now based on what I saw. Um, another thing that shot to me in the Big 12 this weekend was how good Texas looked. And I know it was Louisiana Tech. It wasn't anybody that was super impressive – as far as but that, that's that's the you know that's that's the week one schedule when you when you look at the the you know the, the people that the Big Twelve beat up on Louisiana Tech kind of fits the mold there but for that game to be you know uh, what was it thirty eight to nothing going into the fourth quarter um, that that's not that's not bad and uh, Sam Ellinger looked the part now they they've got a challenge this weekend with LSU we'll get into more of that uh, here in just a little bit but thoughts on Texas in week one. I believe Texas was slow playing it a little bit. And so for you to come over and say that they're looking impressive because of that matchup that's looming with LSU, I think obviously you've got to open up the playbook mm -hmm. a little bit more, do something differently that aren't exactly on tape at this point in time. But Texas, I've talked about the talent 
that is currently being stockpiled there in Austin. I'm waiting for them to get a true quarterback. Still, Sam Ellinger, by all means, has the tenacity to carry this team emotionally and physically to set the tone, but he's not this prolific quarterback that we've come to know and love here in the Big 12 uh, conference. He's a little bit of a, a breakaway from that trend. Needless to say, they are finding success, so you've got to look at, at what they're doing and what they're currently building program-wise and I guess give a little bit of a hat tip here. Yeah, and, and one thing that's going to be really interesting moving forward is depth at the running back position. Uh, injuries are, are hitting them there. Um, and so it's just going to be interesting to see how that plays out, particularly this weekend against LSU. Um, they're going to, you know, the Tigers are going to try to turn that more into an SEC game. Uh, Texas is going to try to keep it on the Big 12 level. But that's an interesting take this weekend on, on, on Texas and LSU. And, again, we'll, we'll get that near can again. We, can we talk about surprises with Oklahoma? No, we're going to get to that. Um, <laughs> one final thought on the Big 12. James Madison, West Virginia. Austin Kendall, congratulations to him on, on his uh, season opening start. Uh, well, his, his win and his, and his college football debut. Um, but it's going to be a long season in Morgantown. Yeah, consistency. Consistency is going to be key for the West Virginia, specifically the offense. If they can execute at a consistent level, I think they'll be okay. Now, I'm not expecting them to compete for the Big 12 championship, but I do expect them to be somewhere in the middle of the pack. Right now, I, I've got them pretty low in our power rankings. Yeah, I've got them ninth. I mean, mm -hmm. I've got them next to last. And I, I don't know that you can't make an argument that Kansas, you know, Kansas could be nine. Uh, speaking of power rankings, Oklahoma State and the Heartland Sports uh, Big 12 power rankings Oklahoma State jumps into number three this week. Right. Yeah, Oklahoma, Texas remain number two. The, the, the only thing that we were consensus of, there's five of us who vote on this. The only thing that we were consensus of was that Oklahoma and Texas were one and two, and West Virginia and Kansas were nine and ten. Everything else is just kind of, uh, you know, hodgepodge. And it, it was really close. Oklahoma State, Baylor, TCU, Iowa State even at, at number six, where, we, where they dropped to. But my question to you is, Oklahoma State, Oregon State, was Oklahoma State that impressive that they're going to jump up to number three in our power rankings? Yeah, absolutely. I put them into play for the Big 12 I, Championship. I thought Oklahoma State put up the second best win in conference play, largely because they were on the road. Now, Oregon State, not exactly the best or the biggest quality. That's not even a real term. So the best quality is what I'm trying to say here. In terms of an opponent, but you look at going out to Corvallis – you're starting a rookie quarterback in that situation, and they're, they had a lot of success on the offensive side of the ball. Quarterback looked good. Running back looked good. There are things to build upon here. When we get into conference play, I do expect the narrative to change right. slightly because these are teams that are going to be a little bit more familiar with one another, coaches that are familiar with one another more specifically. But you look, like I said, just at a true road win for a lot of rookie starters, I thought it was the second best win in conference. Yeah, Spencer, Spencer Sanders may have had the best quarterback performance in the Big 12 that no one's talking about. You know, because Jalen Hurts got a lot of credit. Uh, of course, he's the store in the Big 12 right now. And then we already talked about Sam Ellinger and how good they looked against Louisiana Tech. Bowman down at Texas Tech looked really good. But uh, Spencer Sanders, maybe because it was so late, maybe because it was Friday and the Big 12 played from Friday to Sunday this week, and it was just kind of forgotten. 
Um, but um, good point on on LSU. I don't think I would have them. I, I didn't put them at number three. Oh, I certainly um, did. I, let me see. <laughs> let, me, let me look here. Uh, I'm going to look at what our Oklahoma State guy did. Our Oklahoma State guy doesn't even have him at number mm-hmm. three. And Zach, uh, Mark, our other Oklahoma State guy, had him at number four. So you're the reason why they jumped up there that high, I guess. I, I put him at uh, – who did I have? I had TCU at number three. I had Oklahoma State at number five. But what, whatever, it's, just, it's, it's only week one. Hey, we're going to take our first break. He's Rich. I'm Matt. You're listening to Sooner Nation, the online podcast for Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com. We're going to come back and uh, talk final thoughts on Oklahoma-Houston and then start breaking down Oklahoma and South Dakota. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so welcome back to the Sooner Nation podcast. Rich and Matt uh, talking Oklahoma, South Dakota. And you, you, had to, you said you had some surprises or whatever for Oklahoma mm-hmm. that you wanted to talk about before we get into the breakdown of this game. So give me your final thoughts on yeah. Oklahoma and Houston. Yeah, when I'm looking at Oklahoma and Houston, I'm used to seeing a Lincoln-Riley offense play at a quick pace, mm-hmm. play things a little bit up-tempo and rattle off play after play after play. That was not the case when we're looking at this Oklahoma team under the direction of Lincoln Riley, now paired with a quarterback in Jalen Hurts. I believe they ran 61 plays on Sunday. When's the last time Oklahoma ran less than 80 plays in a game? When's the last time they averaged less than 80 in a season is what I would honestly like to know because you have the Sam Bradford era, Landry Jones, you've obviously got a little bit of time (laughs) in between there, but then we picked up with Baker Mayfield, now Kyler Murray, as well as Jalen Hurts. The tempo seems to be slowing down, but Oklahoma is not any less successful out of, I don't, I don't know if you, you caught this stat, but out of week one, Oklahoma had 11 plays of 20 plus yards, seven plays that went 30 or more and five that went 40 or more. 106 teams ran more plays than Oklahoma, but Oklahoma ranked first in a lot of the statistical categories. Just a little side note that that kind of struck me as odd because that 61 number. Well, but you didn't you didn't read my Big 12, you know, my uh, offensive keys to the game though, did you? Um, I glanced at it because one of the things I talked about was slowing down the pace of the game, running running the ball, using ball control to keep Houston's offense off the field. Because again, we're not gonna we're not gonna sit here and pretend like this defense is night and day better than it was right. last year. Still the same defense, still the same struggles. So, well, how do you counter that? Well, you know you've got the better uh, you've got the better all around team, so you take advantage. And when you're able to jump out 14 to nothing, there's no re- reason to do up-tempo plays um, to uh, to keep that going. So what you got to do is you you run you run it you slow it down. And I, and I think I, I don't think this offense under Jalen Hurts. I don't think that Lincoln Riley wants to move it as quickly as he did Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray because the skill set is different. One of the things that Jalen Hurts and we've talked about this. This is no secret. We talked about it Sunday night. 
One of the things that Jalen Hurts is not when we compare him to Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield, he, he doesn't have the deep ball touch that those two guys had. So you're going to see a lot of short passes with him, and that's going to, that's going to eliminate some of your, your, your tempo and so forth. But the other thing is I, I'm still not – I don't know where I stand on Jalen Hurts running the ball 16 times. I mean, yeah, Jalen Hurts ran the ball 16 times. Trey Sermon and Kenny Brooks combined had 15 carries. Is that, I mean, as an Oklahoma fan, is that is that the direction we, we want to go? I don't think it's a reason for concern at all, and here's why. Because Jalen Hurts is a guy who can run the ball, and the thing that makes him such a dynamic player is the ability to tuck the ball and run when needed. 16 times, not a huge issue. You would like to see that number flip to the running backs, you would like to see Jalen Hurts carry the ball 10 times, maybe specifically in the red zone, because Oklahoma will be such a difficult offense to defend when you've got to account for a guy who can run you over from the quarterback position. Or let's, let me say, state it this way. Um, when you put a two running back set in the backfield, you essentially have three running backs mm-hmm. back there. Who knows where the ball is going? Left, right, you can throw it. Out of that, you could do the flea flicker like we saw. That was a terrible flea flicker play. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, even even the toss back from Trey Sermon back to Jeff, it was like like he but you know just shot it at him. You know, I I think the conversation when you're talking 16 carries for Jalen Hurts, the conversation has to switch to not taking the hit. Well, that's that's the point I'm making. Mm-hmm. I mean, six two, two hundred and twenty ish pounds. He's a bigger quarterback than Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. He's not as fast as Kyler Murray, a better runner than Baker Mayfield was, but he's, he's that quarterback that can run you over, but it's game one of a, right. of, you know, now, of it, a long it's, season. It's different if it's a Big 12 championship game. It's different if it's college football playoff. No, that's what I'm saying. Right. You, want I'm, him, I'm with you. You, want, you want him in those games, so do you want to see him run 16 times in non-conference games is the mm-hmm. point I'm making. I'm there with you. But I'm saying, I'm just giving the flip argument of that, of saying if it were, if all all of the marbles were on the table up for grabs and you had Jalen Hurts running the ball, you wouldn't care if he took all these different hits. You would, but in the long run, if you got the win because of that, it would have been well worth it, right? As long as he's healthy. Right. That's right. the thing, because you look at the depth behind him mm-hmm. – I mean, right now you, you see one game, and, and there's nobody that, that I'm aware of, national media, local media, fan base here in Oklahoma. There's no one who's saying, yep, yeah, Oklahoma, they're, they're not a playoff team. Mm-hmm. But you remove Jalen Hurts from that equation, and then a lot of people are going to be saying that. I mean, we, we think Tanner Mordecai is going to take this team to the playoffs, or Spencer Rattler is going to take them to the playoffs. Hey, and Spencer Rattler I, could be. I, he could be, but Jalen Hurts is. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where I mean I, I like I like the running plays I do I like his stride I mean he he, he to me he looked deceptively fast but then wow. I think but then I think man if he doesn't get up here it's Tanner Mordecai time and that's why I'm mixed on this running game mm-hmm. not that it's bad I do want to see I mean if I'm if I'm Kennedy Brooks I, I'm probably going to Lincoln Riley and saying, hey, did, did I do something wrong? You know what I'm saying? Because uh, what do you have, like four carries? 
I don't know. It was it was unusually low for both of the running backs. Yeah, but I mean, at least Trey Sermon here. We we can we can pull this. Trey up. Sermon had like eleven. Yeah, I think he had eleven, and Kenny Brooks had four. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Ramondre Stevenson, who is the guy you know, I'm high on him. Mm-hmm. Six. So wait, wait, wait. Did you see the week two depth chart? I haven't looked at it yet. Okay. Why? Stevenson's still not listed there. Well, that's okay. He's gonna play. He, well, I'm I'm thinking to myself. Who's listed as three? T.J. Fletcher. Now he's got the hand injury, so for them to release a week two depth chart and it to have pleasure over mm-hmm. Stevenson doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, I mean pleasure can play, but I don't think he does. He's not going to catch the ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he does, it'll be a really good catch. So, well, let's let's jump into this. I mean, if, if we're going to talk about that depth chart, let, let's jump in here and, and let's talk about Oklahoma's offense versus South Dakota. This is a defense that was torched. Uh, through the air, 400 yards they gave up to Montana in their season opener. They did they did snag two interceptions, but 400 yards of offense. What I what I wrote in the offensive keys to this week is that Oklahoma needs to pass early and run later, um, because I I feel like still with when you look at 16 uh, 16 running plays by Jalen Hurts. Okay, well I want him to pass because one thing that that I noticed and we talked about a little bit in our post game podcast. And that kind of been the conversation locally this week is, you know, Jalen Hurts seemed a little bit hesitant if the receiver wasn't wide open, if he didn't have that step. And I'm thinking if I'm Lincoln Riley, this is the team that I want him. And they may have told him in that first game because, you know, you don't want to turn the ball over. You're thinking that's going to be an offensive shootout. Look, you don't do not do it. I mean, you, if you're not sure, tuck it and go. That that may have been what the what the plan was for that first game. That's why you got 16 carries. But in this game, I'm saying, Jalen, look, man, you got to release the ball. Trust CeeDee Lamb. Trust Grant Calcaterra. Trust, your, trust Rambo. Trust your receivers to get to the spot. Release it and let them work to the ball. I would like to see some of that. But I think if we're going to see it, it's going to be early because I expect third quarter to be Tanner Mordecai, fourth quarter to be Spencer Rattler. I don't disagree with your game plan. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that Oklahoma really needs to test this defense on a deep ball. Why? I, they can. and they, 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 they need may, to. I think they need to. But we just talked about the strength of Jalen Hurts not being a long pass. I, I so why, that, but at why some, not? At some point, you're going to have to throw long. You're gonna, if, right? you, if you don't throw deep, if you don't show the ability to throw deep, it hinders your offensive development, and it hinders I – mean, it, it gives a, an opposing defensive coordinator – kind of an advantage over you. And you're the one who's talked about how how big of a game this is going out to UCLA. You've mm-hmm. marked this as as the most difficult of the non-conference games. So if, if you can't throw the deep ball, you, you've got to show UCLA, hey, we're going to go deep. We're going to take our shots. And we've got guys like Rambo, like CeeDee Lamb, who can stretch the field. Mm-hmm. You have to. You absolutely have to. You can't keep everything underneath. And so I strongly disagree with you on this. That this is a game you've got to throw it, spread it out. I mean, I, I expect again, I expect ten plus guys to catch a pass this Saturday, and 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 I, you had three receivers last week. You had ten guys who caught passes last week, but you had three receivers who had forty yards or more on at least one reception. But those were short. You catch them and you go. Think about Charleston Rambo's touchdown. I want to see plays like the one that the flea flicker to CD Lamb. I want to see those completed. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, then all, all, the, all you're going to see is you're going to see defenses 
creep those safeties up to 15 yards because they're not going to respect the deep ball until you show them. And when you creep those safeties up, it makes things really crowded in that box, whether you're running or throwing. You got you got to show the deep ball. Sorry, I, I jumped in I, there and said that I'm not saying it's not an important or vital piece of what Oklahoma has done past, present, and future. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying, this game specifically, what, what I would be looking for offensively, number one, Jalen Hurts not to run as much as he previously did right. in game I'm one. That. I think you hold him back and you you just open the the gate for these running backs and let them run wild. But I also think you try to find a way to get the receivers in space and get the ball to them and just let them work. Kind of like what you're saying, I don't necessarily think it involves a heavy dose of a long pass. It's a heavy dose of that that middle range passes, 15 yards, 10, 15 yards, and then just, like I said, letting them work because this is a secondary that was absolutely awful last season when we talked about the Coyotes. Not the Coyotes, but the, but coyotes. the coyotes. Yes. And I think you, you've got a big receiver. You've already mentioned Lamb. You've got a guy who can make things happen in space if he can get behind a defense where the long ball could come in in Charleston Rambo. But I, I think we're going to see these bigger, younger receivers. I don't expect to see Jalen Hurts in the second half at all. I expect us to start putting in the backups. And we'll see – Theo Weiss. We'll see a little bit more of, of Jaden Hazelwood. We'll see. Give me the third one. I just blanked on his name. The third receiver that's coming yeah, in as a freshman. No. Or, Why not? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but needless to say, I think we see a heavy dose uh, of the backups because Oklahoma basically has their way on the offensive side of the ball. Oh, wait, yes. But again, this game isn't about South Dakota. This game is about UCLA and prepping for conference play. That's why I'm saying I want to see them pass, and I and, and I want to see Jalen take shots, pro, productive shots down the field. That's what I want to see. Okay. And and and, and then the other thing you you mentioned it, and it was actually one of my uh, offensive keys to the game is you, these guys got to stay healthy. I mean, the worst the worst thing is that that you get out of this game is as an injury to a key guy. That's why I think I'm, I agree with you that you're going to see. Um, you're going to see skill position guys begin to make a mass exodus. You're going to, I think that you're going to see a lot of guys come out after half and not have their pads on. I mean, just you're, it has to be that way. Um, and if this game is still a game in the third quarter, this is one of those games where Oklahoma fans need to be scratching their head because it's going to be because the defense hasn't done, they haven't taken the next step from game one to game two. Um, but we'll get a defense in just a second. Offensive line, what, what do you think? Uh, RJ, we just seen a depth chart. I haven't seen it. Is RJ Proctor? Um, I actually didn't look at that specifically. Mm-hmm. I was I was more curious still in the receivers. I told you I was looking at the nickelback. I was right. looking at that Z receiver position and wanting to know who was going to solidify themselves as the starter with some off-the-field issues happening. I think at the nickelback position, we kind of have that settled at this point in time. Chance Sylvie will play, but he will not be. The starter. Well, he wasn't the starter. Right, right. right. That, that's that's Bookie's job. That, mm-hmm. that's, it's Bookie's to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, Sylvie, I, I, you know, I, you seem to kind of have a different reaction than I did about Lincoln Riley saying there's no more disciplinary action coming. The guy didn't pay a ticket. I mean, yeah, but it's it, my understanding was it wasn't the first incident that has happened while with the program. I mean, it's 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 not his first mm-hmm. traffic stop, but again, it's not like. 
I mean, there's a lot worse things that guys have done, even at OU and remained on the team. I'm just like, like I, my family has had this situation where uh, you got a ticket out there that you didn't pay, and then oh yeah, there's a warrant out for my rest. Great, you know. Um, I I I like Lincoln Riley's sense of humor. I, maybe I'll have him bring me a Gatorade or something, you know. But uh, but regardless of what the off the field stuff, this is Buki's job, right? To and, and just as a side note, I am in favor of second chances. I don't believe something you do when you're 19 or 20 years old should define you for the rest of your life. We all make mistakes. Theirs are just put in the spotlight. And we tend to dissect those and we tend to rain down this judgment on what we think should happen, regardless of if it was the right thing or the wrong thing from us to pass off on them. Raise your hand if you've ever made a mistake in your teenage years leading up into adulthood while you were in college, because every single hand should be raised. How many people judge you on what you did at 19 years old and completely write you off or dismiss you from a potential opportunity. Like I said, that's my side note. I was talking defensive side of the ball. Now you're asking me about the offensive line, and I do think there's a lot of work to be done at this point in time. Who those starters are, if Swenson's healthy, I think he starts over R.J. Proctor. I didn't look at that portion of the depth chart. It'd be interesting to see that as we're sitting here, but I do expect him winning the job to actually start at some point at that position. Well, they've got to fix something on the left side. I mean, the left side's was the left side was the struggle on Sunday night in short weeks, so you got to fix something. One more thing to note on on Oklahoma's offense, they're going up against a um, a South Dakota defense that really they they did good against the run last week. I mean, they they held Montana to 80 yards total rushing. The the um, the the most they gave up was 44 yards to one particular player, and then the next guy down was 14 yards. So uh, this is a, a run defense that held their own against Montana, gave up a ton of yards to the air, but was pretty stingy on the ground. And it's not like the Grizz didn't try to run the ball. They, they attempted 28 carries. That said, what are you expecting from Oklahoma's running backs? Um, something a lot more than what we saw in week one. More? Do you think more rushing yards or passing yards this, this weekend? I think more rushing yards. Right. Who's your um, leading rusher? Uh, I've got to go with Trey Sermon. Ramondre Stevens is the correct answer there. No. Yes. Okay. Mark I mean, it down. We'll, we'll Mark see. it down. But here's the reason because why. Because Trey Sermon's going to play in the first half when they're passing. Lincoln Riley's reading my my offensive keys, and he's like, yeah, that Matt Hofeld guy, Matthew, that's a good idea. The starting offensive line was in there for quite some time in week one. I don't expect that to be any different when it comes to the running backs in week two. For the first two quarters, but then no. I'm saying no, no, no. For for at least three. Uh, we'll see. At least we'll, we'll three. Because we I mean, you got to stay healthy. Hey, I may have made a mistake on that week two depth chart and just misread something. Oh. So I'm just gonna throw it. that out yeah, there. Correct. If it. I went and if I went and looked at the week two depth chart, I don't think that really exists. I think we still have the same one from last week, which okay. is why nothing has changed. And is why I hadn't seen it. All right. My apologies. <laughs> Let's take our second time out. Uh, Sooner Nation, the online podcast for Heartland Sports. If you're looking if, if you're looking to get to the game, Vivid Seats, that's where you can go. Um, and a lot of people don't realize this, but you can go on ESPN. Uh, you can check the scores for this weekend, check the lineup, and just click on tickets, and it takes you directly to Vivid Seats. But you can also sign up uh, with promotion with um, – uh, the promo code OVERTIME, uh, all caps, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, OVERTIME, and you can get uh, 
money back on your tickets. Uh, Vivid Seats is your way to go this weekend if you're looking for a way to get to the game. We'll be right back. All right, well, welcome back. Um, let's let's get in full fledged on this defense versus offense thing. Um, the, the the Coyotes, they they weren't to me. I looking at week one against Montana. Now I, I, Oklahoma is not the best uh, defense around. We get that, okay? You would think that they're able to do a little bit more than what Montana was able to do, particularly on getting pressure on the quarterback, but. This is a this is an offense last week that uh, 246 passing yards um, on 12 uh, 20, 23 of 33 attempts and just barely over a hundred yards rushing 106 yards on on 30 carries. I, to me, this week, what I want to see um, I want to see um, I want to see continued tackling. You know, I, I want to see them continue. I was to me, and I said this post game, the most impressive thing we saw on Oklahoma's defense was better tackling. It's better tackling than we saw in any one game last season, in my opinion. I want to see that continue. I want to see some of those personal fouls kind of to, uh, disappear. You know, and, and again, I, I, I give Patrick Fields a pass on one, um, but uh, I want to see a clean game from the defense. But I want to see him corral the running game. I, I want to see that. When, when you had Houston last week average over four yards of carry, um, with Derry King going for 103 and then Carve 76, Porter for 40. I, I want to see a better a better run defense um, because we saw a good pass defense last week. But my question is, do you got to sell out? I mean, to, to, to are you susceptible to the run because you're selling out to stop the pass? I, I want to see how they can balance that out this week. Defensively, this is may it may shock you. Just a little bit, but like 5.7, I think four yards or carries, but I said 5.7 is what Houston averaged. I'd like to see the defense celebrate. No, no, you don't yeah. celebrate. No, I think they should celebrate. No. Hmm. Zero celebration. No, I think they should celebrate. When we get those stops, the three and outs. Oh, we, things, you play for the team now? Yeah. <laughs> things that we're not accustomed to seeing over the past couple of years. Making the stop. Getting the opponent in bad situations. Why? You, I mean, you got to earn it. I mean, that's just what I'm saying. You got to earn it. You, you, so take fun out of the game completely. Okay. Yeah, that's I a mean, good motivator. Well, I'm just saying, there is no reason for anybody on this defense to gloat. I'm sorry. I, they they no have one, not. No one's gloating. It's, well, that's, it's that's celebrating well, a good play. That's what gloating is, in my opinion. You have not earned that right. You haven't. I mean, even even going up to last last week, they gave it. They gave up 21 points so in the who? second half. You 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 hold Houston to 10 first half points. You give up 21 points in the second half. This defense has not yet earned the right to celebrate and to. I'm I'm sorry. 119th last year. Show me you're better. And when you can show me that, you do this consistently. 31 points is not a reason to celebrate. That's what you gave up last week. You don't celebrate over 31 points. Sorry, you don't, because that was a Big 12 game, basically. And that offense, that, that's what you're going to get when you play TCU. That's what you're going to get when you play Iowa State. That's what you're going to get when, when you play Texas Tech. Even Texas Tech's probably even better than that. No gloating, no celebrating, no having fun until you earn that right. <laughs> I'll just sit here and shake my head. 
I'm sorry. I just so don't when, be the when, worst in the country. When Ronnie Perkins steps up and makes the sack, he shouldn't celebrate. Do it consistently, yes. Earn, it. earn the right. No, okay. earn the right to do that. Three sacks against Houston last week, which is great. Double that this week. Double okay. it. Well, second thing then <laughs> for me, I do want to see Oklahoma get pressure on the quarterback, right. play that aggressive style up front like they did, mm -hmm. especially off of the edge. You've got the talent there to make things happen, to make things uncomfortable for a quarterback. South Dakota does have a capable passer. They've also got a more than capable receiver that this, this quarterback is going to be throwing to. Needless to say, if you can get to Austin Simmons more often than not, I think you, once again, just have a field day kind of suck the wind out of the sails if there's any success that South Dakota does begin to find throughout the duration of the game. And thirdly is I, I want to see Oklahoma, you've mentioned balance. Mm -hmm. I want to, I do want them to find this happy medium where the aggression isn't costing them yardage because we saw a Houston team who was able to take what was happening on the field and the aggressiveness that we saw specifically of the front seven and begin to open up some running lanes. You're talking about stopping the run game. I guess I'm going right down that same road with you, but it's not letting the aggressiveness. Sure, at the beginning of the game, it was an asset, but then it became a liability in the second quarter. So it's finding that, being able to make those adjustments and keep the big plays mm -hmm. from happening. Yeah, and, and I'll go back to what I was saying about the celebrations and fun and all that stuff. I don't think there was a lot of people on the defensive side of the ball who were happy with their performance. And that, that's all I'm saying is, is once you once you begin to celebrate – There weren't a lot of guys on the offensive side either. Well, particularly Jalen Hurts who I'm, – I'm giving – I'm chalking up Jalen Hurts with uh, two fumbles, by the way, in that game. All right, the, the Coyotes, 246 passing yards last week. Uh, 144 of those went to Cody Case. Um, who's really not even their top receiver. He, um, their, their top receiver coming into the season was supposed to be Dakari Allen, who was held to two catches for just 17 yards. But Cody Case just went crazy, 11 for 44, 144, two touchdowns. His longest reception that game was only 30 yards. Um, so this is a team that can stretch you. Uh, it's a team that, that can move the ball around. I agree 100%. I, I think six sacks. I mean, I, I think this is a – a, a game where you've got a quarterback that's capable of running, probably not as comfortable as running as Jalen Hurts, but there's not a lot of quarterbacks who are going to be. He was sacked just once last week uh, against Montana. Um, so I, it's, it's going to be a, a, good, um, a good test because it's an offensive line that kind of held their own against uh, Montana. And the only sack was actually on the quarterback scramble. So it's not like they got through the offensive line to get the pressure. Simmons was, was rolling out and, and was dropped for a loss after he left the pocket. So um, I, I, I want to see. I, I want to see. You have three sacks. You need, a, you need to improve on that uh, when you go down to the FCS level. And, by the way, I, I'm going to throw one more thing out there again. You don't celebrate against FCS schools. You don't even play in FCS schools. So that's, that's as, a, as my friend Forrest Gump would say, that's all I got to say about that. Hey, let me ask you this, Rich. Why is it? that no one is talking about the kicking issue at Oklahoma. Is there a kicking issue? I think there is at this point in time. It's hard to say that there isn't one for me, especially when you talk about two missed field goals. 
Matt, you and I sat down to recap that game and had that been a little bit closer, those could have been extremely costly. I was just doing some quick math here, and Oklahoma essentially left 20 points on the field. When you, you have, you have the turnovers over. and yeah. two missed field goals. I mean, this could have been a, an extreme blowout, but instead it's this less than 20-point game, which Ooh. I think a lot of people had expected anyway, um, but knew that there was the potential for a blowout as well. Yeah, I was just amazed that no one asked Lincoln Riley at his press conference on Monday or Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no one asked him about, about the kicking. The only, the only time I'm aware that he talked about it was immediately post game, and, and and his thought was his comment was, well maybe that's on me. Maybe I you know my his first attempt, 49 yard field goal. Maybe I shouldn't have put him in there. But I'm thinking, that's his job, right? <laughs> I mean he is the kicker, and right. that's like saying, well may, maybe I shouldn't have had the quarterback throw the ball in his, in his first play. I mean, are the running back run the ball? I, I mean, if you're the kicker, you kick field goals. The coach shouldn't have to apologize for putting you in that spot. You kick field goals. Um, I, 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 we definitely need to see field goals, right? I mean, you don't want yeah, the offense sure. to stall out, but I'm thinking, hey, if I get a lead, I might Steve Spurrier this bad boy and kick a field goal on third down just so I can get that guy some experience out there. He's got, I mean, as as bad, I mean, points are a premium in the Big 12. And you, you mentioned it. I mean, he had two turnovers, he had two missed field goals. That's points you lay, you leave on out there on the field. Those, those could be costly down the road. You got to get that fixed. Yeah. Here's the way that I'm approaching it is, you know, I, I wanted to make excuses because first time starting, the distance of those field goals, but Sutherland shows that he has the leg strength to get them there. It's an, it's an accuracy issue. And when you put a, if it's on the coaches, when you put a kid in a position like that, and he consistently fails. What does that do for mentality, the psyche? What does that do right. for a confidence level? You do have to get him in there and allow him to make some of those. So not only does Sutherland know he can do that in a game-time situation, but it pays dividends as he progresses in his career. I mean, he's a young kid, so you, you got to give him time. But still, I just – I don't outside of the coaching staff, I don't know that you're going to find anyone who is comfortable mm-hmm. with place kicking. I mean, extra points, seven for seven, good for you. But let's let's start hitting those those field goals. Um, all right, so let's let's um, let's do this. Let's take our our last timeout, and we're gonna come back, offensive defensive players to watch, and then we'll go through the Big Twelve rundown, and then give you our prediction on the um, on Oklahoma and South Dakota. Fair. Mm-hmm. All right. So your nation, you can find us on Twitter at Sports Heartland at Sports Heartland on Twitter. We'll be right back. Okay, final thought on here, Rich, is uh, guys to watch. Oklahoma, South Dakota, pay-per-view, 6 o'clock p.m., uh, Saturday night in Norman. Last chance to see the Sooners um, for a couple weeks because they're out West Coast after this. Who are you watching? Give, give me your offensive star. Offensive star. Uh, that's going to be a difficult one because of the lack of playing time. <laughs> I think that – the big names actually get, but I'm, I'm going to go with C.D. Lamb. I think, like I said, you get him in a little bit of space. He's going to make things happen, especially against the secondary that, that has struggled throughout the duration of last season and now is showing those same struggles this season from South Dakota. Mm-hmm. A big receiver with the strength that he has is going to cause problems 
all over the field. So I am going to go with C.D. Lamb in this one. I think they, like I said, target him more often than they do any of these other options, especially in the first half. And he's able to turn up field, make guys miss, throw guys down, whatever that may be, and extend those plays, gain a little bit more yardage than what he may have witnessed or turned and saw in terms of green pasture. He may extend that a little bit. But was Trajan Bridges the name you're trying to recall yes, earlier? Yeah, okay, just, uh, don't worry. Um, Charleston Rambo, I think, is a is a budding star. I think when you you look at the um, you look at the the attention that Ceedee Lamb earns. I mean, you got to give this guy attention, and then you got a guy like Grant Capitera, the attention that he's going to earn. Uh, that leads Charleston Rambo to have pretty big games. But I'm with you. Um, I I don't know how much. They went – 10 guys caught passes last week. I expect more than 10 guys to catch passes this week. I, I think you're going to throw a lot of guys out there. You're going to see a lot of a lot of guys just play, kind of get that experience uh, because of that new redshirt rule. Spencer Rattler is going to make his debut. That's why I'm going with the guy like Ramondre Stevenson. I mean, really, for this game. I, I've, I've <laughs> joked about it, but I'm serious. I think I think he's probably Oklahoma's leading rusher on Saturday because I think you, you'll see him – Probably starting around third quarter, and um, and you're going to see what what he has. I mean, I, I think you'll see five five maybe six running backs um, that Oklahoma plays. But the of those guys, I mean, if TJ Pledger, I'm, I'm assuming TJ Pledger is not 100. percent So of those guys, not named Trey Sermon, not named Candy Brooks, I think Ramondre Stevenson is the most ready right now to play at this level and and be a star. That's why I think. He leads the team in rushing. I, I I think I do think you have a couple of 100-yard rushers uh, from this offense this this week where you didn't really have it. I mean, you had uh, Jalen Hurts had 176, but of your running backs, um, Trey Sermon was as close as you got to that with 91 yards. I, I think you have a couple of guys uh, break break the century mark this week, and uh, I think Ramondre Stevens is one of those guys. Defensive side of the ball, who are you looking at? Um, this one's extremely easy for me because of the vitality, the role that he will play, the vital role that he will play on this defense, specifically in this game. I, I'm going with Ronnie Perkins. Oh, okay, okay. Again. All right, I'll, I'll allow it. I thought you were going to say Kenneth Murray, and I was like, no, that's no, no. cheating. That's like, that's like picking Jalen Hurts as your offensive No, guy. and like I said, um, Ronnie Perkins, a monster first game, mm-hmm. showed exactly what he's capable of. That confidence is building, but he has the athleticism to back that up. I right. expect that to come into play quick off off the snap. He's he's going to be a complete monster up front, and if they're not double-teaming him throughout the game, I, I would be a little bit surprised by that. So Perkins is my guy who's going to have the biggest impact in this game. All right, I'm going with Patrick Fields for similar reasons. I, I think this is a team that that is going to try to throw the ball against Oklahoma. Um, because I think they're, they would rather, honestly, I, I think they would rather just run clock and collect a paycheck, but they are not going to be able to run, I don't think, effectively against Oklahoma, just be, based off of what we saw from week one. So that, that puts a guy like Patrick Fields uh, on, the, on the spot, so to speak, where he's got to play that, that role of how do, you, how do you support run and pass? Big game for him. Delaney Turner yell as well. But I, I think Patrick Fields really was in position to make some big plays last week. I think this is a team he can t- kind of turn that page. And and let's do this. Let, let's This is kind of thrown out there. Um, Oklahoma, let's say they get their first 
turnover of the season Saturday night. Pick a player. Pick a player who, who gets the turnover. Uh, it's, it is going to come from the secondary for me, but I'm going to go with Trey Brown. Trey Brown? Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Patrick Fields. And uh, and if we'll, we'll do some little wager like a Dr. Pepper or something if one of our guys. If it's the field, it's a wash. But if it's Trey Brown, I'll bring you a Dr. Pepper next week. Uh, if it's Patrick Fields, you can bring me a Gatorade. Yep. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's talk about the uh, the Big 12 rundown. Oklahoma um, faces off against South Dakota on Saturday night, 6 o'clock kickoff Central Standard Time. Uh, but before that, you've got some other teams that are going to be taking the field. Bowling Green, Kansas State, the Wildcats, they, they were more impressive than I thought they were. Um, I, I think, you know, they're a 23.5-point favorite. I don't know if they cover that, but uh, the, the post-Bill Snyder era could be looking at 2-0. Agree or disagree? Yeah, I certainly agree at this point in time. As, as I look at the rundown of the schedule, I think there's potentially two losses. Kansas State isn't one of those. Well, here, here's your upset of the week right here. West Virginia at Missouri. Everyone's everyone's just written off West Virginia uh, after struggling against James Madison, almost pretending like Missouri didn't lose to Wyoming. Missouri almost a, a two-touchdown favorite. Take the Mountaineers. Take those points. But I think West Virginia wins this game in Columbia. It's very likely. That's one <laughs> that that one's going to be an interesting game to watch. Mm-hmm. I've gone on record and said my comments about the SEC when we did the post game um, podcast. But needless to say, I'm looking at West Virginia. It's coming down to consistency. Right. If they can be somewhat consistent, I, I'm in the same boat as you are. But if that consistency takes a step backwards, they're in trouble. Well, that's one they, of the losses I can see happening. They've they've got to take a step from week one to week two, mm-hmm. obviously. But Missouri was not even with Kelly Bryant. Missouri was not effective week one against Wyoming. I mean, I just it, it was not a good game. It was it was a bad loss for the SEC. When you, when you talk about the um, when you talk about the bad losses of the SEC, that's one of them. And, and I heard people talking nationally this week about the Big Twelve going undefeated. We'll look at their schedule. Okay, let's talk about the SEC. Okay, let's talk about Tennessee losing. Let's let's talk about uh, Ole Miss losing. Let's talk about Missouri losing. The SEC had an equal schedule to the Big Twelve, and they pretty much pooped on themselves. Um, I, I think West Virginia gets the win. I'm just calling it for conference pride. Uh, UTSA at Baylor. Baylor's super impressive. We we kind of thought they were a sleeper team mm-hmm. going into this uh, with Charlie Brewer and so forth. Uh, they're 25 and a half point favorites. I think I would take them in the points. Honestly, I, I mean, I for sure take them to win. Uh, Bears two and zero. We'll get back to South Dakota, Coastal Carolina, uh, Kansas. Just real fast. I'm saying yes, absolutely yes. Les Miles starts his Kansas tenure at two and zero. Two and zero with a win here. Yeah, two and zero over okay. Coastal Carolina. Okay. What are your thoughts? I don't know. It was a come. It was a come from behind win over an S. FCS mm-hmm. school in week one. Missouri, I mean not Missouri, excuse me, Kansas. I feel like you could flip a coin on that one. I believe you in that they start. Puka Williams this week. They didn't have Puka Williams last I, week. I believe you in that they start 2-0 and against Coastal Carolina. I just don't know by how many points that okay. will be. McNeese versus Oklahoma State is every bit as embarrassing as Oklahoma versus uh, South Dakota. We, we obviously 
It's a Sooner Nation podcast, so we got to talk about Oklahoma, South Dakota. I'm not even going to talk about that game. Um, UTEP, Texas Tech. Uh, Texas Tech was some impressive numbers last week. Uh, I would expect those to continue against UTEP. LSU, Texas, number six versus number nine. Game of the week. I mean, again, here's the thing. I'm just going to, I got to, I got to throw this out there. Okay. I'm going to turn my computer monitor so you can't see mm-hmm. it. If you heard that on the microphone, that was my computer. I promise. Um, Texas is back, right? You, you run Louisiana tech. Out of, are you looking at it there? No, I okay. just I, I want to make sure you're not cheating. Games. Texas is, what are you doing, man? Texas is back. They run Louisiana tech off the field. You're hosting number six LSU. And I know we've talked about vivid, vivid seats a lot because they're kind of a promotion for us, right? What's the what's the cheapest ticket you can get for number six versus number nine in know, Austin, Texas? One forty. One forty. You would think number six for top ten matchup. Those tickets would be going at a high price, mm-hmm. right? Especially considering the proximity of these two schools and the fact that Texas is back. But vivid seats can get you in there for as low as nine dollars. I mean, when are we going to start talking about what a joke this is? Oklahoma, you, you can buy a ticket. Think about it. Now, you're an Oklahoma fan, so you're probably going to want to do this. You can buy a ticket for $9 to see Oklahoma versus South Dakota. Or you can buy, if you're just a college football fan, you can buy a ticket for the exact same cost to see two top 10 teams play. I ran out of air there. <laughs> do you think if this game's in Baton Rouge, you can get a ticket for $9? No. No absolutely. way. So, Texas, please stop telling me how good you are when you can't even sell out your own stinking stadium. The fact that you can get a ticket for that game for $9, absolutely ridiculous. UTEP versus Texas Tech, $14. It was, you, you have to pay more money to go see Texas Tech. No one wants to go to West Texas. All right, LSU, Texas, who you got? The long, uh, LSU is six-and-a-half-point favorite. Longhorns, a home underdog. What are you, you're looking at tickets now, aren't you? <laughs> I, I am. <laughs> Longhorn, the home underdog. What happens here? Um, in all honesty, I believe the clock management is going to be one of the the biggest factors in the game, and I believe Texas will be better at that. And here's why. Here's why. Okay, it goes back to what I said when you and I sat down on Saturday to record a similar podcast in that I believe that there are two contenders in the SEC or two elite teams and the rest continue to ride up the rankings because of what these other two teams are producing on the field and the type of recruits that they are pulling in from across the country. Needless to say, LSU is not one of those two teams. If you can't figure out who it is, I'm not telling you, but LSU is not one of those two teams for me. I believe it's a competitive game, but because it is home field advantage for Texas, it's a six-and-a-half-point game at this point in time. I, I think Texas wins that one straight up. Here's my concern. I have two concerns. Concern number one is that um, the Big 12 needs this win. I That's the perception. I don't know that I agree with that because of, of how bad the SEC was on opening weekend. But the perception is that the Big 12 – needs this this uh, needs this win but my second concern is that i i can't cheer for texas it's you don't just have to. it's just not in me 
You don't have to. That said, here's what here's what I think this game comes down to. LSU, I, I disagree. I, I believe that LSU is a contender. I, I think LSU is probably better than Georgia this season. Um, I think LSU is a contender in the SEC. And I think defensively, the, this, Texas is in for a, a really a really strong test defensively. And you got questions at running back. I mean, you got you got major questions at running back. And so I, because of that, I think it's a close game throughout, a close game throughout. But um, you're distracting me because you're looking at tickets. I and, am, and, you're, and I you're, have you're a, laughing about you're, something. You're gonna need to make an apology. Um, no, because I see it right here. I know, but do you know what you see? What's that? You see one ticket to Champions Club, which when you click on it is nine dollars. But there's a little note here that says does not include admission. To the event. Okay, you're gonna make and then, me and then I successes. and then I look then I look at the next cheapest ticket. You know how much it is? Yeah, three hundred and ninety-six dollars. I pulled up too. <laughs> All right. Holy dang! Wait, road, but it says Champions Club Road GA. Yeah, general admission is GA. Well, general admission gets you into the game. You can buy it. Doesn't, the it doesn't get you into the game. Yeah, it, it does. Says That's Champions why it's general Club admission. Access only. Whatever. Okay, we'll disagree on that. Um. Anyway, point is, I think it's a close game throughout, and um, and and because of that, the running back issue, I I, I think I got to go with LSU. I mean, and and I won't. It's one of those things. That if Texas wins, then then good for the Big Twelve. But if Texas loses, then hey, I'm happy. You know, it's it's a win-win for me on this. But I, I just I really feel like with um, with LSU. Their their defense, I, I'm convinced on their defense. I really am. Um, and and Texas is going to go in there riding the momentum of the Sugar Bowl, their win over Georgia. Different, totally different game here. So that's it for me on on Texas and LSU. That's how I feel about it. Okay, so here it is, the the big reveal: Oklahoma, South Dakota, Sooners, Coyotes. What's your score prediction? I don't have one. Okay, a lot to a little. You have to have a score. We always have score predictions. Here's where I'm going, in all honesty. I'm going to go 63 to 10. 63 to 10. I got 56-14. So, we're again, we're in the same ballpark as we were uh, last week going into the Houston game. By the way, of the the five of us, I think I was was the closest. I I picked um, 49 to 35, if I remember right, on my score prediction. So... I was the closest, so I win. Um, all right, he's Rich. I'm Matt. This is the Sooner Nation podcast, the online podcast for Heartland Sports. Heartland-sports.com is where you can catch us. Uh, check it out for game previews this week. Um, we'll be on. Uh, we'll be recording right after the game Saturday night to give you our post-game thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. Hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland or drop a comment at the Heartland-sports.com on our podcast page. We'd love to hear from you. Have a fantastic weekend. Boomer Sooner, everybody.